When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Fireman with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And JJ has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome, uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 in the, like, the 210 range. Uh, um, a dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. Game. Minute after 11 o'clock, Wednesday morning. Welcome in to the Gamecock Central Hour here on 107.5 The Game. Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell here with you to discuss what are we talking about today, guys? Just uh, cheese, your favorite kinds of shoes, and what does your shirt say, Chris? Not today, Satan. Oh, nice. Where'd you get that? Uh, wife ordered it for me. Couldn't nice. tell you which probably online shop she got it from. Yeah. That's cool. It's red. No, we have a lot to get to today. We have a poll question. South Carolina had a bunch of offensive players with media availability yesterday and some significant news for the Gamecocks just breaking here in the last hour or so. In fact, uh, I don't know who broke this. First place I saw it was Wes Mitchell over on Gamecock Central. Uh, not good news if you're a South Carolina fan. I, in fact... I was just talking injury news at the end of the last hour, and I had not seen this yet. I was talking about Sam Hartman and uh, Ricky Pearsall for Florida, but South Carolina has is now down a guard on its basketball team. Abrima Deba, the transfer from Coastal Carolina, has suffered an Achilles injury and will miss the entire 2022-23 season. This is an injury suffered in an on-court summer workout, as reported by Wes Mitchell. But, Wes, since <laughs> you have literally done the reporting here, you should just tell me so I don't read the article. Well, yeah, Wes did no reporting here. This is a release <laughs> from uh, South Carolina. Um, I did. I read the uh, the email that uh, Michael debates and the the folks over there sent out. So uh, okay, wait. Have my I can tell you it's a, it's yeah. it's very much true. Like it, it is, is completely official. Yeah, <laughs> good job reading it. I, I didn't mean to insinuate <laughs> that it wasn't, but I all, all the Carolina emails that I used to get, I had a box set up for it, and now they're going to different places, so I don't find them as quickly. Actually, anyway. you probably ticked somebody off over there, and you got <laughs> kicked off the list. Look, I get in trouble with them. A l- well, I don't get in trouble with them because they can't get me in trouble, but they have issues with me a lot, and I have been uh, I've been out of the line of fire recently, so maybe it's Let's a holdover it from something way, else man. I said. But There you go. Turn it into In, in any case, yeah, it's, it's a well, – okay, does a report make it sound like it's not true? <laughs> No, I oh. mean, if I if I reported it, better be true. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I don't know. Anyway, but, but I'm saying I I'm not going to take any credit because I I really don't. Well, I mean, cover I'm just basketball. giving you credit because I'm literally reading your version of the write up on Gamecock Central because I had not seen the email because they're it's like being I don't know it's being flagged for some reason in my inbox. Anyway, 
that's a significant loss for a South Carolina basketball team that was already, yes, they got Gigi Jackson. This is a South Carolina team that still was going to have his work cut out for him in terms of replacing everything they lost last year to put themselves back in a position to be competitive in the SEC. And Deba is now someone that has played a lot of college basketball games that was theoretically going to provide a little bit of a steadying presence in the backcourt there for Carolina. So this is a this is a big piece of the puzzle now out for the season, you know, before the season gets started. Yeah, and I mean, South Carolina, obviously their class, Jackson is going to get, you know, all the headlines. Aside from, you know, that, that freshman class, aside from Gigi Jackson, we saw some video evidence on Twitter the other day, S- some intriguing talents there, right? But this transfer class is also going to need to do some work for the Gamecock basketball team this season. And so Deba's a guy, it's a great point, Pearson. He's played a lot of basketball. He's started 87 games for Coastal, played in 90. And while he hadn't, you know, torn up the stat sheet, he's a guy with size, who has a good skill set. I remember when Wes and I were talking to to Jamie Shaw of On3 about him um, around the time South Carolina started recruiting him, maybe right after he committed. Um, one of the things that he mentioned is he's a very skilled passer, but that he actually has, you know, the the athleticism and the the ability to score more. Jamie said, you know, he could take a few more shots a game, and he'll probably need to take a few more shots a game for South Carolina. So, you know, this isn't a team that returns tons and tons of talent, as we know. It's pretty significant roster turnover, and so this is a guy that was, you know, figured to factor in pretty heavily to their plans. So feel bad for the kid. That's that's a tough injury, mm. for sure, you know, an Achilles injury, and a tough blow for the basketball team. For whatever it's worth, I've at least heard that that's not a painful injury, which is weird because to me that sounds excruciating and horrible mm. i remember i was listening to steve smith like the panthers steve smith talk about it one time and he's like you don't really feel it you just can't walk right anymore he said you can hear it more than you can feel it um just sort of a weird note there in any case um you mentioned 87 starts chris i i don't have the numbers in front of me i don't think you do i don't know if what south carolina is returning you mentioned the the roster turnover it's guys leaving transfer portal this, that, and the other. I wonder if South Carolina has 87 starts on its team in terms of returners right now, because I would think not. Like, to, to your point about how important it is to have the veteran guy, I don't think Carolina has 87 guys that have started in the Garnet and Black. Yeah, I was going to say, in, in the Garnet and Black, that would be the key to that. Um, we, we, would need, we would need to go through there, but, I mean, to, to kind of count it up. But I, I cannot imagine... That's the case. They they do have a decent amount of experience now, you know, coming mm-hmm. into the team. But it's guys that have done it elsewhere, not at not at South Carolina. So, yeah, I mean, a, a lost a lot of roster turnover. I mean, Michi Johnson, who hasn't hasn't played a ton, had not played a ton of minutes at Ohio State, had some injury history of his own. Deba obviously was. I don't have it in front of me either, Pearson. But gosh, he's probably one of, if not the most experienced guys on the team. Hayden Brown from Citadel has a lot of experience. So, um, yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of turnover, definitely um, a lot of minutes to be had, you know, whether it's from this transfer class, whether it's this freshman class, losing Deba, certainly a difficult uh, proposition. Yeah, a blow there for sure. Yeah, Josh Gray, Javon Benson, uh, Trayvon Minot, Chico Carter, Jacoby Wright, the only guys that I think are returning with any Carolina starts and just a handful between them. So, yeah, a, a big blow there. Um, for South Carolina. Again, that's a, that's a release from the university, but as we get more reaction 
from uh, around the South Carolina basketball program. We'll, uh, we'll pass that along to you guys. Uh, since we're talking about injuries here, I, I just mentioned it right before you guys came on. Um, Ricky Pearsall going down for Florida, wide receiver transfer from Arizona State, a, a big loss for them. I, I was listening to a preview, a, uh, an SEC preview last week. It was like DraftKings or one of the betting websites. And, and one of the guys mentioned thinking that Florida might have the worst wide receiving group in the SEC, which I'm just not used to Florida being talent deficient. That should anyway. never happen. <laughs> yeah, that, that no should excuse. never happen. Is is that is that real? There's no way it's worse than like Vanderbilt. I'm just, I just kind of always assume that, like, whatever young players Florida has, even if they're not proven, are going to come in and be talented. But is Florida really looking at that much of a deficit in terms of perimeter playmakers this upcoming season? I'm, lo- I'm, I'm refreshing myself by looking over their roster. I mean, look, Justin Shorter, who began his career at Penn State, I mean, he, he didn't put up huge numbers last year. You know, but he's a talented kid. Xavier Henderson's a talented kid out of Miami. Trent Whittemore's played a lot. I mean, they've they've got some guys. I think that's probably who. While that's it may, now play. it may it is kind of prove it mode for them. Sure. So they may be like in that bottom half or bottom third or however you want to like quantify it. But worse than like you said, Vanderbilt. I don't know if I can get there. Yeah, but but not as good as it should be. That's very fair. Right. Because you don't look at this roster and go, oh, stud, 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 like we've done with some of their teams in the past. If you're in the state of Florida and you are the University of Florida, this should, this should, and I know it's a brand new staff um, as Chris throws stuff at me over here, but it's a brand new staff. So you can't put blame much on them, but man, they have such good athletes every single year mm-hmm. in that state. It is hard for me to imagine that that's actually the case and i am glad to hear that we're carrying over our vandy hate from gc live like vandy is kind of like the go-to just um just the punching bag yeah uh, it's not hate though nobody hates vanderbilt no one cares enough about vanderbilt to hate them yeah hate's probably the wrong word but um there's but there is some vandy hate like you don't hate them but there's some vandy like we're hating on vandy i I get it yeah i mean it's just it's all factual though yeah I mean, yes, was it just yesterday we were talking about their their stadium and how bad it oh, is. Oh, yeah, yeah. it is. But so it that, is so that very bad. from the show to GC Live now back into the show? I think, I want to say, we got to credit, I think GC Live was the genesis of all the Vandy haterade. Yeah. It, it, it's well, like we're definitely joke. the like, first people to make fun of Vanderbilt in the SEC. <laughs> right. It's a very, very original, very original. concept. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, we... We would just laugh because it seems like every show we would be like, oh, man, like we're bagging on Vandy again. Sorry. Mm. You know, but not really. So but yeah. it just that's just how it is. Poor but Vandy. Th- I mean, honestly, like, oh, they don't need to be in the SEC anymore. They're just they're never even worth putting in the conversation. Like what one of the most memorable moments from the entire event that was media days, four days of coverage. And it was Clark Lee saying the Vanderbilt. If any other coach, any other program said that it would have been like, wow, that's a bold claim. But. Like, if Shane Beamer said that about South Carolina, it's like, whoa. It's probably not going to happen, but this guy's very ambitious. And, like, he's going to bring back the Steve Spurrier days. There's just, like, no precedent for anyone associated with Vanderbilt to say that. And it's like, that was, it was just literally hilarious. That he, that was, like, the biggest takeaway from media days. You know, the, the funny thing is Derek Mason said not the same thing, but something, like, similar. Mm. I think it was kind of like of, um, 
like people they get. And I'm, you know what? I'm sure if we went back and looked, James Franklin probably said something similar, right? Because when you get in those roles, you have to kind of. Well, then he yeah, won nine project. games, didn't, didn't he? he won I was going to say, James twice. Franklin at least, he yeah. did something at Vanderbilt that was like ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. So he, he kind of backed it up. That might be bit. one of the most impressive coaching feats in the last 20 years. If I can't you, think of a more impressive. If you really think about it. It, it, it was amazing. Vanderbilt hasn't won a conference game in like three years now, right? It, it's been a while. I mean, at, at Vanderbilt, what, what did James Franklin go there? He, he won was only nine there for three games seasons and, two years in a row. Yeah. He went nine and four and nine and four, and he went nine and seven overall in the conference. <laughs> Those two years. First year, they were two and six. Wow. But that's pretty doggone good. Um, that's a tough job. But yeah, I don't know how we got here. Not always, always a safe landing spot for any uh, SEC football talk. Uh, we were talking about wide receivers for Florida. Let's uh, let's change gears. Uh, we'll we'll take a quick break here. I want to come back. I'll reset the poll question, and we'll talk wide receivers. South Carolina's got a bunch of them. A bunch of guys that yes have a lot to prove. Seems like there's some talent there. A bunch of guys that feel like they could very earnestly be the number two option for South Carolina next year. We'll see what Wes and Chris think about who that will end up being. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Eleven nineteen Wednesday morning. Welcome back in to the Gamecock Central Hour here on 107.5 The Game. Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell here with you. And, you know, guys, you know what it's a great day for? Yes. What? Firehouse subs. Always a great day for firehouse subs. You're exactly right. Yeah. Firehouse subs, 12 locations in the Midlands and a 13th on the way. Uh, that, you know, when I when I say the Midlands, we're counting from Columbia, even all the way to Sumter, but a new one coming in Casey that's going to have, from the looks of it, guys, a drive through. <gasps> Super pumped about that. That'll, that'll, you know, make things run even more smoothly inside firehouse subs, but... You could still get your fresh, hot firehouse subs, all sorts of sandwiches, uh, fresh and quick by using the Rapid Rescue online ordering service at firehousesubs.com, or you can download the Firehouse Subs app. We appreciate Larry Chandler and Firehouse Subs for being a part of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. That's a lot of different ways to get a delicious sandwich in your face this afternoon. So Rapid Rescue is the way to go. Absolutely. So, poll question for today. Who will South Carolina's number two wide receiver be behind Josh Van? And, of course, I'm excluding Jaheim Bell because, for whatever reason, he's still officially listed as a tight end. Um, Before I get your answer, is it a safe assumption that Josh Van will finish the season Carolina's number one wide receiver? Um, First of all, define, we're talking just leading receiver caught the most passes for the most yards, correct? I would say so. I would say so. I mean, there's also, like, you know, Maybe if you have a guy that's clear-cut number one and he gets a lot of extra attention from the defense and opens things up. So, I mean, however you want to think about it. But, like, at the end of the season, you'll know who their number one is. Yeah, you know, I, right now, August 10th, I would still probably give the edge to Josh, but also I I don't think you can just assume that either. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the the way this thing's going to play out, I I think it's going to be much more like, um, 
Yeah, you, you remember those years when it was like right after Alshon left and then South Carolina didn't even really necessarily have a guy that you would just say, oh, that's their absolute mm-hmm. number one. Um, it was a spread the ball around. It was Bruce Ellington. It was Nicky Jones. It was Ace Sanders. Demir Bird. It was Demir Bird. And, and the ball, you know, all, and, tight all end, the, and a lot of tight ends. All those guys looked, looked similar. They were mm-hmm. smaller. Um, they'll have a little bit, I, I would say, more diverse skill set uh, with the room this year. But it was kind of like, all right, pick your poison as a defense. You're not even going to feel like you have to double one of those guys necessarily. Right. But they could all get open. I think it's going to be similar for South Carolina this year. Um, there's really a, any number of guys that could end up being the number one receiver. I have one in mind that would be my answer to your poll question okay. and that I also think could push for number one. Well, is, is, it, is it fair to say that Carolina has like six or seven two and threes, or is that disrespectful to Josh Van? Well, actually, I'm not worried about being disrespectful to him. Is that a fair characterization? Is it, He was the number one wide receiver almost by default last year. Is he never felt to me like a number one option, but did you see enough last year to feel like he, he can be a real bona fide number one guy? Let me answer real quick, Chris. I don't, I think, you know, you were talking about uh, Matt Rule earlier, and you said this feels very college y. Mm-hmm. Um, to like say, oh, this guy's a number one and this guy's a number two feels very like NFL hmm. to me. Okay. I, I feel like um, if you go out there and you are the leading receiver and you sort of take over a position when you really did not have a lot of consistent help last year, then you have earned being a number one, in my view. So, you know, I, I think Josh Van was the number one last year. Josh Van enters his season as the number one as well. Um, does he remain the number? If he's not the number one, you know, assuming he's still healthy, then that just that's a good sign for your program, though, for your team, because that means somebody else just kind of took it, mm-hmm. I, I think. But, um, yeah, I think you got to give Josh a lot of credit for for stepping up last year and, that was a huge question mark going into the season. Yeah, it, it's <clears throat> it's fascinating to look back. Like y'all, Wes referenced after Alshon Jeffrey left, and so for me, I kind of look back at like so look at back at twenty twelve, which was South Carolina's best ever team in my opinion, and a good offense. And then you look like at twenty fourteen, which not a great team because the defense was awful, but the offense was really good, and you had two different kind of vibes isn't the right word but you, you got it done two different ways so the 2012 team you had like your top two receivers were ace sanders and bruce ellington hmm. you might not think of those guys as a number one right like you're saying pearson like th- there's just this dominant guy like an alshon jeffrey but do you have the yards in front of you yeah so ace sanders had 45 catches uh-huh. 531 yards hmm. nine touchdowns bruce ellington had 40 catches more yards 600 had seven touchdowns. Really? The, the next highest wide receiver, so not a running back or a tight end who actually had more catches, the next highest guy was Demir Bird. He had 14 catches, and Nicky Jones had 12. Wow. You look at 14, they had the alpha guy that had Farrah Cooper, caught 69 passes, 1,136 yards, nine touchdowns. Then you had another guy who went over 40 catches in Nicky Jones, Demir Bird had 20. Then you have backs and tight ends. Mm-hmm. I tend to think it'll be like a mix of those two. So I don't I don't know if there's a 60, 70 catch guy on the roster this year. What Josh did Josh Finn, have last year? Josh last year had 43. Okay. 
So, and the reason I think that, I think they're going to involve the backs. You're going to have Jaheim's going to get a lot of touches. Guys, all these guys that were, you know, running through in your poll question, mm-hmm. they're going to have. So, if they have two receivers, true receivers, not tight ends or backs, that have 40 catches each, the year's probably gone very well in yeah, offense. Because Jaheim's yeah. also probably going to have 40. Could yeah, I mean I, I don't think I don't think they have a seventy catch guy. Could be wrong. I don't think they have a seventy catch guy and then a forty and then you know I, I just don't know if there's that dominant of a guy. But I think there's several guys that are capable of you know upping their game and and getting into that territory. You know thirty forty. When do we stop calling Jahima tight end? I was I was gonna save that for the end of the show, but I. Uh... My my question for you is, what do you want to call him? Wide receiver. No, he's not a wide receiver. Why not? Because he's not. He's in the tight end room. He uh, he lines up all over the field. How uh, many times will he have his hand in the dirt this year? I don't know. Six. No, much more than that. He's he's not he's not a wide receiver. He lines up like an H-back as like an offset tight end. Um, He lines up attached to the line of scrimmage sometimes. He rarely... He he did last year. I imagine he will less with Stogner being there, though, right? But when they're in two tight ends, sometimes he is going to be lined up on the line of scrimmage. Does he spend more time with Jody or Justin in practice? Jody, I believe. You know, it's kind of interesting. They do actually move him around in practice yeah. and um and put him in the different uh different groups uh, so he can work on the fundamentals like when they're doing fundamental position group work mm-hmm. but he he rarely if ever do you see him line up actually outside like on the perimeter as a wide receiver but he'll like, you'll line see up him in the, the slot you'll a see lot. him in the slot but that's yeah. every tight end does yeah. that that's a very common you know brock bowers and he's very much a tight end he's out in the slot and but Brock Bowers is going to block more than Jaheim will this year, I would imagine. And that in the is, box, I should—that's a smart move. Yeah, because he's a lot, you know he's yeah. bigger. And like Travis Kelsey's a wide receiver, even though he's a tight end. Like George Kittle is a tight end. He'll catch. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. 50, 60, 70 balls or whatever, but he's also going to he's gonna get in the box and block a lot. Like, I feel like that has to be an essential part of the time. I'm, I'm fine with it, and I'm not too worried about what it's called, but I guess I am in this case just because it's just, it's yeah. just funny because in no way is he a tight end, but he's still a tight end. Well, in no Satterf- way is he a wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, Marcus Satterfield calls him a wide back. I, I like was Debo. in favor of them literally on his 
official Gamecocks online bio, just like, no, just not, just call them like a or, linebacker. you know, why don't we carry up. this over from recruiting? You'll have athletes in recruiting all the time. Yep. Why not carry that over to the roster? You could if you wanted to. Just put his position at JB. Yeah, because he also Jaheim might Bell. play some fullback this year, Wes. You've made, a, you've made a pretty compelling case for why he might you know, either be a, a short yardage running back or even a fullback in short yardage situations. And he did he did that last year too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but it, it's pretty common to have your H back line up as a fullback. Like that's kind of part of the yeah part of the job. So, so he's more of an H back than a tight end or a wide receiver. Yes, but an H back is always in the tight end room. That's a type of tight end. You also don't say. see H backs lined up at running back. You know, proper yeah. a lot or in the slot a lot, right? So, Greg says, call him a flex end or a flex out. Flex end or, or just a flex. Out. Oh, that's yeah. what he is. He's like your flex player in fantasy. Okay, so he can stand in he's, for. He's a dude. That's a dude. That is. We were talking about that before the show. By the way, Pearson, you're talking about the, you know the, running the board yesterday. Mm-hmm. I, my vote. I don't know about Wes. I would like to change my entrance. You know what I'm talking. I'm talking about the senior bowl or something randomly. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, the intro sounds great. Yeah, I, I, mean, just, I didn't cut that. I do cut most of my intros. Terry cut that one. That's I'm the not, best thing you said in the last year. Terry, probably. please don't fire me from the show. <laughs> I, I'm not saying it's bad. It sounds really good. <laughs> yeah, that was the, they're like, guys, we did not have a lot of material to work with. That was the only thing the you said that was compelling thing awful. Chris said. <laughs> but Wes, was, he says a dude on his. Somebody yeah. on the Insiders a forum yesterday the literally said, asked me, Wes, they were like, how many times a day does Wes say dude? I said not enough. <laughs> That's true. Um, I think this was before both of you were here. I think maybe I talked to Wes on the phone that day. But since we're talking about Jaheim and what position he isn't, Chris, what was your reaction? Well, I, I, I'm assuming you listen to it. I don't know. Marcus Lattimore on the Believe podcast said the other day, don't be surprised if Jaheim Bell gets 100 carries this year. 100 carries? He said 100 carries. So, Quandre White had 88 last year. <laughs> yeah. Kevin yeah. Harris had 152. It didn't seem like that. That does many. not... Down the stretch, though. Like, it, they I wrote honestly, him down the stretch. Yeah. I, if you would ask me, bef- I, saw, I looked that up a couple weeks ago. If you would ask me who had the most carries last year, I would have said Z or Quan or whatever they call him. Here's the one I don't believe. Marshawn Lloyd had 64 carries. He had more carries than Juju. Yeah. Didn't yeah. feel like it. That does not feel like it. When 63 of those, there was a busted assignment on the offensive line and he got hit in the backfield. Well, I, I love Marcus. Um, I, I think giving Jaheim 100 carries probably a solid strategy because if however you get him the ball pretty good strategy i can't get there wes no no I, i've already said i can't get there but i also said it you said may- like 40 was your i said it, i said it may be fo- yeah that was my over under and yeah. i would probably go over actually i i think it'll be far closer than the the instant the shock of wait what like, I, I could see it being people being like, well, Marcus kind of knew something. Yeah. I, I don't think that was a Marcus Lattimore, oh, let me just throw a hot take out there. Yeah, because Lattimore does not, as far as I know, just, like, say stuff to say stuff like I do. I think that was a Marcus Lattimore, um, hey, I know something. This yeah. guy's going to be a big part of the offense. Um, let me throw out a big number to just represent that mm. he's going to run the football more than people think. Yeah. 100 touches? Sure. Yeah. 
eight plus a game. Seems I can doable. get there. Yeah. Although he had zero games of eight plus touches last year, which is interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, look, the the only person on the offense, there may be three guys on the offense last year where you go, they were really not even maxed out, but like kind of got to where they should be. And, and I think it was Z.Y. Harris when he came back healthy. You know, he finished the year fairly mm-hmm. strong. And, and, Josh. and Josh Van. Yeah. Because with Jaheim, like, you saw some things, but what the the narrative, and I'd say it's not even, narrative has a bad connotation sometimes, but, like, the thought going throughout the whole year was, well, they're not using Jaheim enough. Mm-hmm. You know, but th- yeah. there really wasn't anybody used enough because the offense, you know, just isn't, didn't Yeah, I mean, they only like ran, like, 30 plays a game, so just limited opportunities. Yeah, limited opportunities. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll leave Jaheim aside. We'll come back to the wide receiver question. That is the poll. Y'all keep voting. You have about 20 minutes left if you would like to – Cast a final vote here on who you think Carolina's number two wide receiver will be behind Josh Van. We'll get Wes and Chris's answers next. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Eleven thirty-seven Wednesday morning. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Hour here on one hundred seven five. The game. Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, here with me. That will look like some air base, Chris. Yeah, that was like a that was air base with a pick, which you need for some heavier songs. I thought it was just air guitar. You didn't tell me it was air base too. Holding out, I can do it all. Yeah, clearly. If you want to get us on Twitter, he is at GC Chris Clark. Wes is at Wes Mitchell GC. I'm at Pearson Fowler. However you want to be a part of the show, uh, the Love Chevy phone line and the text line open for you too, 803-404-6100. Poll question today, who will be Carolina's number two receiver behind Josh Van, excluding Jaheim Bell, whom we just talked about extensively. Um, Wes doesn't like to go first, so you have to go first, Chris. I am going to say Juice Wells. So it's a little bit of a projection. We're not even counting running backs or other non-Jaheim Bell people, right? Unless you think Juju's going to have, like, yeah. 36 catches. I don't think you can rule out a running back being a number two receiver. <laughs> no, like a Lloyd or anybody, you know. Yeah. But, no, I, I kind of, if we're assuming Josh is number one for right now, which I think it's, I don't know if the safe pick, but it's the, you know, it makes sense to do that based on last year and being with prove it mode with some other guys. I'm going to say Juice. I mean, he's. Look at what he did at James Madison. I know it's a lower level, but he was very, very productive. He's been impressive in the spring. The staff really likes him. I think he could end up being a number of guys, but that if you just kind of kind of stand on a table and pick one, that's what I go with. So when Juice signed, people were pumped. When watched the James Madison film, the records, everybody was like, this guy's going to be the dude. And then Corey Rucker signed. What was that, like a couple of months later? And I was like, no, 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 this is the dude. And there was something about Corey Rucker that was – um, I don't know, maybe more intriguing to fans for whatever reason. Maybe it was just newer. Uh, and then, of course, once he got named to the Belitnikoff watch, so I was like, well, this guy. And now it seems like the, the pendulum is swinging back to Juice. So I guess I'll throw it to you, Wes, now to get your answer. But it seemed like Juice was the guy, and then it seemed like Corey was the guy, and now it seems like Juice is the guy again. <laughs> and I can't figure out why the change is because we haven't seen either one of them play any new new snaps. Well, I feel like you are... 
you're confu- not confusing. That's not the word, but you're you're mixing up fan discussion and perception mm-hmm. for reality, hmm. which um, you know, yeah. Corey comes in, and Corey um, Corey is a huge get for South Carolina. I I tend to think that the advantage Juice has is that he was here for the entire spring, and you look at this offense. It is distinctly an NFL offense. It is designed to get guys ready for the next level as far as how it is structured. It's not one of these offenses that necessarily you're just going to come in and be like, oh, I did all this in high school. So I think the big advantage there is like Juice understands the scheme. He's been in it for an entire spring for 15 practices, Mm -hmm. had an outstanding spring. And, you know, I think that was more about well, hey, now Rucker is the new guy. People looked at his film. They looked at that. What was the massive game he had at Arkansas State where he he had like three touchdowns and 200-something yards receiving? I mean, just went off in a game last year. So, I mean, and he's a Belichick watch list guy. Like that means that that gets fans' attentions, right? That means that's nothing. Based on something, that means nothing. <laughs> Why does that but, mean nothing? Oh, at the same time, uh, that just who cares look, about look, look, wa- I don't who cares care, about I don't care watch about the watch list because it's like a hundred people. Watch lists are so stupid. There's a hundred people on them. They don't mean anything. But they picked Corey Rucker when they could have picked Juice, when they could have picked Josh Van, when they could have picked Jaheim Bell. Somebody put Corey on that list for some reason. If it's totally random, you would see more guys like that guy doesn't even play for this team. Like Corey, right? Corey might not even be getting like he's not going to be getting the most snaps. He might not be getting the second most snaps. He might not be getting the third most snaps at wide receiver. Why is he on that list? Well, I mean, he was a great player at Arkansas State. I think is part of it. Yeah. Um, putting him on there over Josh um, was a little disrespectful to Josh Van. I feel like for what he did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost feels like it was an oversight or something to to not have Josh Van on there, but um, yeah, I, I, I think, and I'll I'll go back to what I said maybe I guess last week, the, the receiver rotation may look one way, on September third, mm-hmm. it may look very different by, you know, November third because I I think you've got you've got some guys that have been in the scheme obviously for a full year now you've got guys that have been in the scheme for at least the spring. And then, um, you know, I, I think I think Rucker is a guy that, as the season progresses, um, you know, will will probably start to come on. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, who 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 are their best three? I think will be an intriguing question. And does it match up? Like, if you're kind of creating a little matrix to get them all on the field at the same time, mm-hmm. as far as who's playing what position. And generally, when a guy comes in new, you want him to learn one receiver spot. And then you branch them out, but they have several guys that can play multiple receiver spots. So I think it'll be very interesting to see who are the first three out there, you know, against Georgia State. Who are the next three out there against Georgia State? But then same question, seven weeks later, mm-hmm. what is you know what what's the same? What's the answer to that question then? But if you say if you ask me poll question, give me an answer. Stop you know bouncing all around. I'm probably going to go Juice Wells as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the list thing can be a little weird. I mean, you remember after Kevin Harris's huge season, mm-hmm. he didn't even make the 10 uh, finalists or whatever you call it for the Doak Walker Award. Remember, it was like a big thing around here. Like, how how can you not? He wasn't on yeah. the preseason list, which right. made total sense. I mean, he hadn't done enough at that point to be considered. But after the season, mm-hmm. like statistically, he was one of the best in the country. And yeah. so people are going, oh. So, I mean, 
the I don't put a lot of I don't, I don't put a lot of stock yeah. into those things, but it's just like as opposed to other options on this team, it seemed random. It's like maybe they are just like pulling a scrabble tile out of the bag. Right. But if if that were the case, I think you'd see more random selections on there, and otherwise it mostly makes sense. But yeah, I mean, C- Corey did. I mean, to Wes's point about, I mean, he had a game last year, first game of the year actually against Central Arkansas. He, he caught nine passes and three touchdowns. Hmm. You know, he ended the year with fifty nine catches and nine touchdowns. Um, but Juice Wells, obviously, he caught eighty over eighty passes last year. He played two seasons at James Madison, and he's set records yeah. you know there so production when a guy dominates lower levels like that you know that's not a an absolute certainty that he's going to come you know dominate at the next level but it you've seen what the guy can do yeah. you know it's not against high school competition it was okay. two seasons in one year at that oh yeah. Sure. yeah yeah spring and fall that's right all right well i, I got to come back around to, to one guy who i feel like is missing and maybe one other significant part of the equation too in terms of the personnel groupings that Carolina is going to be running. So we'll wrap up the poll question next. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. All right, a couple minutes left here in the Gamecock Central Hour. 11.49 on a Wednesday morning. It is Wednesday, my dudes. Pearson, Wes, Chris here with you in the Herndon Chevy Studios. And uh, just a couple hours away from this five-part docuseries dropping on ESPNU, the Welcome Home. I'm pumped. Um, are y'all Hard Knocks watchers or shows in that vein, Last Chance You, whatever? Yes. Um, not hardcore Hard Knocks, but mm-hmm. I, I actually uh, I had it on, on the iPad this morning while I was, you know, doing some other stuff. But I'm excited for this. The, um, the Hard Knocks theme is, like, the perfect theme i feel like uh I, I don't know when you hear that music you just know um hard knocks is coming on i i'm my expectations are pretty high for the special so i'm i'm excited i think we're gonna even do like a review recap on gamecock central um after each episode and uh so we're, we're all in on that i think it's gonna be fun do you have any expectations anything that you want to see or think you're gonna see chris Every time I think of Hard Knocks, I always think of the guy trying to get into the facility with the key card, and he gets oh, yeah. locked out. Yeah. I wonder if there'll be a moment like that. Yeah. No, I think there's going to be. He shows up for class, and it's like, your scholarship has been revoked. <laughs> well, that can't happen. No. Uh, anymore. That, that's the only equivalent of your card not working to get into the building. That, that would be way worse than your. I have a feeling it's not going to be that kind of show. No, I think it's going to be really cool. Some in-depth story. I don't know what to. I honestly haven't heard like hey there's this is going to happen on tonight's show or any of the shows but i think it's just going to be a really cool you know peek behind the curtain of what they do yeah i mean now this is the first one of these college series they've done right this is not part of an ongoing series right they um you know i think showtime maybe did a college one some somebody did something on florida state um a couple of years ago so they there have been college ones that have been in the same vein as hard knocks but this is the first one that this company has done, first one that I, I believe has been on ESPNU. Okay. Um, and I think it is going to – I was watching the trailer today. It, it had um, Josh Van and, and talking about being a father. And, um, you know, I think there was another player's uh, father being interviewed. And so I think there are going to be some – you know, on Hard Knocks, it's like half football. Mm-hmm. It's half, hey, what's going on in these guys' lives, mm-hmm. you know, in real life. 
Yeah. So um, I think it's going to – so it'll be interesting to see what that split is, um, you know, and, and how much of it is, like, meeting room type stuff and all access and all this right. and what part is more like features on the players' lives. Yeah, could be a very cool blueprint. I look forward to watching this, you know, not only this series, but if they if this is something they do on a regular basis and highlight a different college football program, could just be another cool insight into – a bunch of major college football programs. 803-404-6100. Hampton is on hold on the Love Chevy phone line. He wants to talk about today's poll question. Who will Carolina's number two wide receiver be behind Josh Van at the end of the season? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me in. Wes, it's always a privilege, man. I got to uh, become a member of Gamecock Central, most definitely. Uh, but, um, guys, um, just want uh, I chose um, DeCarrie and Joyner, I guess, because He's been been around the program. I know Juice Wells will be a valuable asset, um, but um, do you think Wells will be able to adjust to the to the SEC type play? Yeah, I think so. And I appreciate the phone call, Hampton. And, and by the way, we got a fifty percent off on Gamecock Central right now, so perfect time for you to come on over. But um, <laughs> yeah, let me throw that in there. But uh, yeah, appreciate the call, man. I I think with wells the thing uh and chris you weigh in here too man i think the thing that makes me believe he's gonna step right in is um this guy just plays with a chip on his shoulder like he's already well put together from a physical standpoint came in um already as i don't want to say a physically dominant player but just physically looks the part of sec wide receiver like i don't think you look at the guy and you're like you know oh this guy came from fcs he, he actually looks like um you know a highly recruited athlete if you just put him beside another guy like that you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And um, he just competes his tail off. Um, he's willing to block as well. Like, he's one of these guys that kind of almost invents a reason to be ticked off at the guy across from him. Like, you know, kind of the Jordan mindset of, you know, this guy's looking at me funny. So, I uh, I, I just – I like everything he brings to the table um, just across the board as a receiver. Yeah, I mean, when you look at – obviously, the production's impressive, and you go, okay, well, it's a lower level, so there will be an adjustment. Yes, there will be, but you also just look at his physical attributes, you know, just seeing him at practice and how he can move, you know, the quickness, how he can get open, how he plays, like Wes alluded to. It gives you reason to think that it's probably going to translate pretty well. Thanks for the call, Hampton. Uh, the poll question is wrapping up. 54% of you say Juice, 27% say Corey Rucker, 10% say Xavier Leggett, and 9% say on Joyner will be the number two receiver. Let me ask you this. We only have about two minutes here, so we'll, we'll try to keep it short. Carolina will be in 12 personnel more than any other personnel grouping this season, probably, correct? Probably. So the two wide receivers they're rolling out there are Josh Van and Juice. And not Josh. I, I was just compelled by the case you made for XL the other day. I kind of thought that was going to be your vote, and I'm surprised only 10% of people voted for him. But if they only have two wide receivers out there, don't you think it'll be Josh and XL? Well, it's going to depend on who wins that job out of Leggett yeah. and But Juice Wells. is playing that same Z. Yeah, well, and Leggett's playing both outside spots, I think. Um but, but, yeah, Wells and Leggett have definitely been at times working at the same spot, okay. and I believe primarily working at the same spot. Um, obviously, we, we see less and less. Right. You know, so I can't say that definitively. They've been moving guys around, as is very common early in practice. So so we'll see. But, I, dude, I don't, I don't think they're going to be necessarily just always in two tights. You know, yeah. like they're, they're going to be in three wide. Okay. at time and but here's the thing there will be times where you know maybe stogner comes off the field and it's 
Jaheim Bell plus three mm. true wide receivers as well. And there'll be times when Jaheim Bell's at running back. <laughs> and, and we don't have enough time to dive into this fully, but keep in mind, South Carolina has a lot of personnel packages that'll be based on matchups yeah. or just, you know, so it's not just, okay, we're, we got two tight ends, so it's our top two tight ends or it's our top running back. You know, they have specific personnel packages that'll say, Juju's in the game now. Jaheim's in the game at this spot. This receiver's here. So that's just, you know, another layer. Yeah. Well, and, and this is a fun discussion, one that we'll circle back to as we especially start to dig a little bit more in the, into the position groups as we get closer and closer to the season and as the depth chart starts to resolve itself a little bit here, which we imagine will start to shake out in the next couple of weeks. But uh, that is all we have time for today. Appreciate, again, all of you being a part of the show and listening, as always. We'll be back in full force tomorrow. Plenty of thoughts on the Welcome Home Series on ESPNU, plus any other Carolina football news that comes our way. Halftime show's coming up next. I wanted a career in which everything would matter. So I joined the CIA, and now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit cia.gov careers to learn more and apply.